While they're lining up, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. And we'll read verse 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the word of God. Thank you, Becca. Lord, I pray over your word today. Lord God, help me to express this in a way that is relevant in our lives today. May it not be my words, my thoughts, my ideas, but your very word. Do this for your own great name. Amen. If you've been to a longer play, musical, or symphony, you are familiar with an intermission. Well, we are a part of, we are in the middle of a series on the seven deadly sins, and this is our intermission. We're going to take a short break from the deadly sins. Um, one reason, I mean, the biggest reason is just where I felt God leading me this week. Now, of course, another, I just, um, we've gone over, um, to, uh, in great length, wrath, greed, envy, and gluttony. So I didn't feel like it was particularly appropriate on Mother's Day to preach about lust, sloth, or pride. <laughs> and luckily, the, the, the Holy Spirit gave me that release, or else I would anyway, because you know I, I don't care. I preach what God tells me to. Um, we have been in this series on the seven deadly sins. We're not in this series just to talk about sin, but really talk about the fruit of the Spirit. To talk about those things that if we live according to the Spirit, we will live according to, and we will starve, we will starve the works of the flesh. The Spirit, um, today the Spirit, once again, the Spirit has led me to uh, the way we walk. In, this very, in a very short story from Genesis chapter 5, we have the reason for our continued battle against sin. So once again, we've been talking about our battle against sin with the deadly sins, and today we're going to talk about the reason we battle so fervently against sin, even as believers, it's about the way we walk. Because the way you walk matters. Now we know this in the physical. In fact, I had a great lesson in this this past Friday. Um, the way you walk is important. If, you are, if your gait is a little bit off, you don't notice it right away, but later on in life, you have hip problems, you have knee problems. And I had a great example of this. This last Friday, I ran 20 miles. And little things that when I'm running a mile don't bother me, that bother me at 10 miles, they are huge after 20 miles. In fact, today I feel the effects in my body that my right foot overpronates. It's a small thing, but man, does it affect me. But the way you walk spiritually is important. Because we don't walk with a strut. Micah 6, eight. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. It's amazing how we can sometimes spiritualize pride. We're never to walk proud. We're to walk humbly with our God. No Christian has a strut, but no Christian also has a limp. 1 Kings 18.21, And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two opinions? That is not us, right? We don't limp between two opinions. We do not have this weak front. 
If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Or how about Psalms 42.5? David, basically at war with himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We don't walk with a limp, and we don't walk with a strut. We walk with a confident stride. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We have a confident stride. We know where we're going. We know who we are walking with. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have this race. We have this walk. We have this walk with God that God is calling us to. He leads us. We follow. But so many things try to trip us up. That's what the deadly sins are. They're the sin that so easily entangles. It's the things that we don't think about that all of a sudden we find ourselves trapped by. I'm reminded of this line from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle. When Aslan, the Christ figure, tells the children they're not as happy as he would have them. You know, you are not as filled with joy as God would have you. You are not as holy as God would have you. This continued battle against sin is so that you can throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. These past two series really are one series on the armor of God than the seven deadly sins. And they're all about us walking with the Lord. These past two series really go together. The armor of God and the seven deadly sins. I, start, I started with preaching about the wider issues of putting on the armor. In this last series, in the series that we're in, I'm specifically talking about what keeps the armor on and what stops us from putting it on. It's about the things that tie us down, that keep us from walking with God. In the armor of God, we're taught how to stand. But in the fruit of the Spirit, warring against our sinful nature, we are taught how to walk. Well, I can't wait to tell you about how to run. But first, let's talk about walking before running. Enoch's story. We find Enoch's story in Genesis 5:24. One verse, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. This one little verse, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. He did not die. God literally took him from this earth. What's more amazing is he walked with God. It's a very short story about something that is truly awesome. Now we throw out the word awesome a lot. I'm the worst offender. But I've seen something awesome in my life. Of course, I've seen the Holy Spirit work in my life and, the work, and in others. That is awesome. To a lesser degree, I've seen nature be awesome. One time I was, uh, you know, I grew up in North Dakota. And North Dakota is no stranger to tornadoes. And most of the time, tornadoes never, ever hit the town. So you don't really think about them much. I remember one time, my sisters were telling me there's a funnel cloud above our house. So I look outside and I see some low-hanging clouds. I, I just think that they're being a worry wart. So I was like, those are just low-hanging clouds. Don't worry about it. They won't do anything. They're like, no, look higher. I look, I'm out. I don't see anything. They're like, look higher. And I'm frozen like a deer in the headlights because right above our house, about a mile in diameter, 
I see the clouds turning, like the wrath of God. And it took me a second, and then I got to my senses. I'm like, we got to go somewhere else because we don't have a basement in this house. And so we went to we went to a neighbor's. That is awesome, but it doesn't compare remotely to the relationship Enoch had with God. It says here that Enoch walked with God. Then it says that God took him up to heaven without killing him. You don't hear that happening much, do you? In fact, it only happened to one other person, Elijah, taken in the chariots of fire. Enoch was Adam's great, 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 great grandson. I may have missed a great in there. In Adam's story, he and Eve walked with God in the cool of the morning. But that was paradise. A lot had happened between Adam and Enoch. Paradise was lost. Sin had entered the world. God had told Adam, do not eat of this fruit of this tree or you will surely die. Adam ate of the fruit of the tree and surely did he die. And so did his children and children, 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 with very few exceptions until the... and this will continue until the earth and the heavens are remade. The intimacy and innocence that Adam had was transformed when he disobeyed God. No longer could Adam walk with God, but Enoch could. What does it mean to walk with God? I do believe Enoch physically walked with God, which is amazing, right? To see God, you cannot see God and live. Somehow Enoch walked with God. But walking with God is not just simply physically walking with God, but spiritually walking with God. A consistent, close relationship that bears fruit. In Galatians 5.16, it says that we walk by the Spirit. We will not gratify the desires of our sinful nature. Opposite of that, in Psalms 1, it tells us not to walk with evildoers or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the company of mockers. Stand in the way that sinners, do, that sinners stand. In Genesis 3.11, we have probably one of the saddest verses in the entire scriptures. It is paradise lost. It is when God enters the garden to walk with Adam. It's how Adam forgot to walk. Genesis 3.11, he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the fruit of the tree which I commanded you? not to eat. Adam and possibly Eve used to walk with God in the cool of the day. The verse I read for you is when that stopped. Adam and Eve had no idea what they lost. When we read this story, we don't really get much out of it because we don't know any other way. How do you describe to a fish what water is, right? We've lived in this world of sin. They didn't their relationship with one another. There was no confusion. There was no barriers in communication. There's no barriers in communication with God. And they, they gave that all up. He told Adam that he would surely die if he ate it, and surely did Adam die. So did Abel. So did every person from Adam to the last human being who will walk on this earth before it is remade, with some notable exceptions. But that's not the tragedy of it. Adam was innocent, now he was ashamed, and that is what sin does. It takes away our innocence and it leaves shame. He could no longer walk with God. Sin separates us from God and leaves only shame. The phrase in there that always stands out to me is, who told you? Who told you? We don't think about this much because we think of Adam like we think of ourselves, but Adam was made in innocence. 
Adam was made in purity, and so was Eve. And God delighted in them. So when God comes to see them, he knows what they've done. He knows what it will mean. He says, where are you? And they tell him, we didn't want you to see us because we're naked. And he says, who told you you were naked? I visited my sister once when her kids were little, and my little niece, who was just in preschool, preschool, I'm talking with her, and she was telling me that she was fat. Okay, by no stretch of the imagination was she fat. I remember my heart being broken because I'm like, she's so young, why is she having body issues this young? So I asked her, who told you you were fat? And she said a girl at school had said that she was her, she's glad to be her friend even though she was fat. You know, just a simple word, right? Who told you these things? The broken heart of God to look at humanity wreathed in sin when he's created us to be innocent. The enemy of our souls tells us all kinds of things to get us to stop walking like Adam did and like Enoch did. Worst yet, he doesn't want us to walk like our brother, our older brother Jesus Christ does. Men and women long to walk with God. It was St. Augustine that put forth the God-shaped whole idea that every man and every woman inside them has this hole they cannot fill. I, I don't think this is a very well-thought-out idea because I think that everyone realizes they have a hole, they just don't want God to fill it. I think people look for things to fill that hole, and it never will. It's almost like the Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie. Remember, they have the Aztec gold, and they talk about we eat and we're not satisfied, all these things. All of us, we are, we are built with a design that can only be met in Jesus Christ and him alone. Well, how sad is it then, dear believer, that you continue to live this way empty? You cannot fill it with vice and you cannot fill it with virtue. We can never drink enough to be satisfied, never have enough physical in intimacy to, feel e to truly feel whole, never have enough money to feel secure, never have enough respect to feel confident. We can never be good enough to feel good enough, can never follow enough rules to feel like we're doing things right and never be righteous, smart, healthy enough to be where we think we should be. Why, why, why? Because what we truly desire is something this world cannot give. C.S. Lewis had said, that he has desires in himself, this world cannot satisfy. What that must mean is he was made for another world. Another quote from C.S. Lewis. If you've been here for a while, you know I got a lot of quotes from C.S. Lewis. This one is from The Weight of Glory. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offering of a holiday at the sea. In this line right here, we are far too easily pleased. Because if we knew walking with God, what the infinite joy that would be, we would not want to walk with anyone else. We would only want to be part of the assembly that walks with God, like Enoch. So today, I want to talk to you 
how walking with God is about relationship. That's one. Number two, walking with God shows us his pleasure. And three, walking with God is the reward. You're going to want to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. I believe in preaching to you the word of God, not my own thoughts and ideas. So no matter what I'm preaching, if I don't say verse 5, verse 6, I'm drawing directly from the scripture. So in verse 5, walking with God is all about relationship. It says in verse 5 that Enoch pleased God. How did he please God? We don't have to theorize about this. He pleased God by faith. What caused Adam to lose his walking privileges? Faithlessness. Do you know what the center of all sin is? Faithlessness. You know why we steal? Because we don't believe that God will provide. Why do we get angry in our heart? Why do we fall to wrath? Because we don't believe that God truly is the avenger. And I could go on and on, but that's what that whole series is about, isn't it? It's faithlessness. He pleased God because of faith. Faith given because of the sacrifice of Christ that would not happen for thousands of years later was imputed to Enoch. Faith repairs the relationship that was broken with faithlessness. And it pleases God. Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. And when we think about walking with somebody, that is about relationship, right? I think of how close me and my brothers and sisters were when we were growing up. And the reason why is because we walked everywhere. My mom was a single parent of five kids, so she couldn't drive us anywhere. We lived in a very small town of about a mile in diameter, and uh, everything was within walking distance. So me and my brothers and sisters, we would walk together. We would talk together. We'd share our lives together. While we walked, we would talk. My, brothers and si- my brother and sisters are close to me this day. I think a big part of that is because we walked together. We grew up walking. Walking together, that very phrase tells you there's something more important than the destination involved. One thing my wife, Becca, loves is when we're on long road trips. She likes this because I can't go anywhere. I can't, like, do something else. I'm a very, I, I'm, I'm a multitasker. If you come into my office, I'm not ready for you. You'll probably see me doing, like, at least three things at the same time. I've got, like, three books out and my computer out, and I'm doing them all. So Becca doesn't like that. She wants my full focus. So she likes long road trips because I can't get away, is what she says. And she's right. You know, those are the best times we have together when we are moving towards the same goal, when we are focused on the same things, walking together. It's God's will for your life to walk with him. How can you make guilt-free decisions in your life? How can you know what is God's will? You walk with him. Walk with him, that's a synonym for relationship. You're moving towards the same place with him. You are staying current, right? If we're walking together and I run out ahead, we're not really walking together. Or if I stay in the same place, you go on ahead, we can't really talk. But if we walk together, we are in relationship. We are keeping that relationship current. So walking together, how do you make those guilt-free decisions? You walk with him. I like this quote from Sue Detweiler, author of Nine Traits of Life-Giving Mom, of a, of a life-giving mom replacing my worst with God's bless, best. As you walk with Jesus, resting your head on his heart, you will learn to know his word, his will, and his ways. You will want to obey him, not out of forced compliance, but out of a heartfelt connection 
Your joy will abound as you remain in his love. And God wants you to walk with him, to commit to a relationship with him. There are very few people who it says they walked with God. It captures the imagination, the imagination. and fewer still who it says they went to heaven without dying. Enoch is the only person who has the distinction of having both said of him. While going to heaven without dying probably is not going to happen unless the rapture happens. Walking with God spiritually is something you can do today. It's something hopefully you've already done this morning. It's something you can do at all aspects of your life, no matter how few or how many people are around, around you. When you place your faith in Christ and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation alone, God raises you from spiritual death and puts his Holy Spirit in your heart, the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Would you, are you here today and you're saying, Pastor Jason, I used to walk with God. Now I'll hear this especially maybe of the older generation or my generation, which is becoming older all the time. Um, but anyway, and we'll, 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 uh, we'll think about the times of past camp meetings that lasted till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And we cried out to the Lord, Pastor Jason, in those days we shouted to the Lord. You're like, I don't know where that, that I lost that. Are you here today? And that's, that's where your heart is. I remember when I was so close to Jesus, but I've, I've lost it somehow. Maybe you ran out ahead. Maybe you stopped walking with him. Maybe it's because of obedience, because of shame. Maybe because of a lot of things. You know, when Christ died, there was a curtain that was torn in two. If all you read is that part, you may not understand how significant that is. Throughout all of history, there was mediators between God and his people. One of those mediators were the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Holy of Holies used to be the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had two cherubim that faced each other. It was known as the mercy seat. And that was to tell you, stop. Look inside this and you're going to be in trouble. People did it anyway. God killed 75 of them. So it was very serious. When the Ark of the Covenant was taken after the Babylonian exile... When they had their new temple, they put this curtain, and on the curtain was two huge angels. And that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Only the great high priest could go into the holy of holies. And even then, they would put bells on him, and they'd put a string around his foot. This was for a reason. They would hear the jingling, and when they stopped hearing the jingling, they'd pull on the string, and that let the priest know, start moving, or else we're going to think maybe God killed you because you brought something unholy into the most holy place, into the holy of holies. And so if they stopped jingling, he didn't do anything, they, they'd pull him out. They'd figure, he must be dead. When Christ died, the curtain was torn in two. There's no barrier between me, you, and the holy of holies, the very presence of God. And when we allow sin to trip us up, entangling us, it's like that curtain has been put back together. It hasn't, that's an illusion. So the devil wants us to believe. How can you regain your walk? Go back to your first love. Do the things you once did when you spiritually walked with God. Maybe today you need to recommit your life. Maybe you need to commit to waking up early, maybe literally going on a walk in which you pray. Regain the, regain the closeness you once had with Christ. Stop, filling, stop filtering your faith and the Bible through the lens of your experience in this world and start filtering this world. 
start, start looking at this world through the filter of your faith and the scriptures. My second point here is walking with God shows his pleasure. Enoch was commended as having pleased God. The 1981 movie, The Chariots of Fire, probably one of my favorite movies, even though it's old. And I think filmmakers back then really wanted to test the patience of moviegoers. But anyway, it's one of my favorite movies. It's about the Olympian Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell, in the movie, in real life, he was born to missionary parents in China. And he knew he had a call of God on his life. He knew God called him to be a missionary. So his family and people in his church, they couldn't, they, they didn't understand why he didn't just go right into missions work. He was competing in the Olympics. And there's a part in the movie where he's being confronted in this. And he, and there's this, there's this quoted line in there. Why, why doesn't he just go straight into the Olympics? And why doesn't he go straight into ministry? Why is he messing around with all the secular things? I believe God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You guys know I'm a runner. I'm not fast. <laughs> but when I run, I feel his pleasure. Because whether I eat or I drink or whatever I do, I do it for the glory of God. When you're raising your kids, you should feel his pleasure. When you go to work, you should feel his pleasure. When you, every facet of your life should be worship with the desire of pleasing God. You know, people say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. That's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> do you know what's impossible? To please God without faith. You can act as morally upright as anyone who has ever lived besides Jesus Christ himself, but you won't please God. You can be a pastor, and you still won't please God. You can be a king, a queen, an emperor, a social media influencer, psychologist, frontlines care worker, and still not please God. But let's get real. According to Jesus Christ, you can drive out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, and still not please God. God. Don't look. Don't, tr don't make the aim of your life for God to use you. Make the aim of your life to walk with God, and he will use you. Amen. Don't get those two switched, or you've just made another God in your life who's not the true God. Walking with God denotes friendship, and God works with his friends. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. When Moses' sister confronted him, she got in his face and she told him, you know, God speaks to Aaron too. He speaks to other people, not just you. You know, Moses doesn't defend himself. God himself defends him. And he gets in her face. And he tells her, when I speak with other people, I do it in dreams and visions. When I speak with my servant Moses, I speak to him like a friend. Walking with God denotes friendship. Enoch also the friend of God. Jesus told us in John 15, 15, no longer I call you servants. For the servant does not know his master, what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Do you realize how amazing that is? You know, we sing the song, I am a friend of God. They would have stoned you in the Old Testament for singing such a thing. But we can say it with confidence today. Because I walk with him. 
He literally walks inside me, the Holy Spirit. Jesus reveals his plans to his friends. His friends walk with him. Walking, um, uh, walking suggests a commonality of purpose. You are li literally moving to the same goal. We literally see this with the disciples. They walk with Jesus from town to town. We may not have any, we may not have any great exploits like Enoch, but Enoch never killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He never led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't lead a life that a lot of people would say radical or extreme, but he had the greatest thing said of him that could be said of anybody else. He was commended as having pleased God. Abraham Lincoln was once asked whether God was on their side or on the Confederate side, and his quote is this, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God's side is always right. Amen. There are marks of people who walk with God spiritually. Philippians 2.15, So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You shouldn't have to tell people how holy you are. They should see it. You should live a life beyond reproach. You should be living a life that when people see it, they praise your Father in heaven as they slander you. You should bear the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 23 and 22 and 23 are the fruit of the Spirit. If you walk according to the Spirit, you produce this. It just comes out of you. If what comes out of you is the opposite, yikes. You're not feeding the... You're not, you're not feeding the spirit, you're feeding the flesh. Finally, Acts 4, 13 contains an incredible verse about what it looks like when God takes a bunch of nobodies and makes them somebodies. The disciples are before the Sanhedrin, and in Acts 4, 13, it says this, <clears throat> Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished, and they recognized they had been with Jesus. Amen. So they look at these guys, and they're like, look at these, these shabby two losers. How are they so smart? How are they answering everything we have to say? And they're like, oh, they were with Jesus. May that be in our life, right? May people see the evidence that we walk with Jesus in our life. This should be in all areas. You know, this might surprise you. I didn't do super well in high school. I, obviously, I see some teenagers here, so maybe you should shut your ears so you don't think you can do this too. Um, but anyway, I didn't do so well in high school. I did a whole lot better in college. I was diagnosed with ADD, and there was all the excuses in the world not to, not to succeed. But I have been with Jesus, and he's renewed my mind. He's created passions in me to study and show myself approved when I was in high school, there'd be something every year. I'd say, God, I want people to say this of me, and I won't say a word of it. I just want you to do such a work in my life, it's evident. It would be things like, I want people to know I'm a good friend. I want people to know that I'm a worshiper. I want people to know these things. And it's like, so I'm not going to go around and put that in people's ear or fish for compliments. Do such a work in me that it's evident so that you get all the glory. Walking with God is the reward. I think verse 6 is better known than verse 5. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever 
would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Some translations, I think, translate this better um, in that for whoever, whoever would draw near to him, draw near to God, must believe that he is. You remember what God's proper name in the Old Testament is? Yahweh? I am? Or he is, for, for instance, actually it's he is, period. He must believe that he is. He is what? He is everything. He is Lord. He is Savior. I am at his command. He is not at my command. I, was, uh, I, I had the privilege of being able to preach in some of our nursing homes this last week. And one thing I like to do in the nursing homes, I like to talk about the stories behind hymns. One of my all-time favorite hymns is All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. You may have noticed that because I do quote it in my sermons without quoting it. Um, there's a story around the, the Reverend Scott. He was a missionary to India. Um, he was this missionary to India, and um, it went very well for a good period of time, but he heard about this tribe that had no contact. No contact with the bigger tribes, with the Indian government. They were just all alone out there, and he felt the burden of God that they needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he gets his stuff together. He gets his violin. He starts walking in that direction. By the way, that's a super dangerous thing to do. Can you imagine just walking into North Korea? It wouldn't go very well for you. Can you imagine if two nations are at war and you just walk on in? Well, little did he know this tribe is at war with another tribe. And he meets not a welcoming party, but a war party. And they see this man. They don't know him. And, you know, there, there's nothing... I mean, like, if you didn't know somebody coming into your territory, you'd, you'd probably want to make sure that they couldn't hurt anybody. So they surround him. They have their spears aimed at his heart. Thurman Scott then kneels down, believing this will be his last moments on earth. And when he opens up his eyes, he will be with the one he's walked with this, all this time. And he takes out his violin and he starts playing and starts singing, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He's his eyes shut tight. And he gets to the part in the song, every kindred, every tribe on these terrestrial shores. All glory to him, ascribe and crown him Lord of all. And he opens up his eyes and he sees the spirits have been cast on the ground and there's tears in these young men's eyes. And they bring the Reverend Scott to their tribe and many come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This man knew the pleasures of walking with God were better than the pleasures of this life. Even the next heartbeat. The reward is walking with God. Is this for you? We read these stories and we think, well, that is all well and good, but what does this have to deal with me? Well, simply because of Jesus Christ, we can walk with God too. The angel told Mary, you will have a son and, you, and he shall be called Emmanuel God with us. We may not walk physically with God, but we get more than that. He lives in us. Galatians 4, 6 says he's put the spirit of God in our hearts that cries out, Abba, Father. I say once again how amazing that is. You would have been once again stoned in the Old Testament for declaring such a thing, that God lives inside my heart and the Spirit of God lives in my heart and says, Abba, Father, that's why I'm a son of God. That's why you're a daughter of God. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. This is for you today. How to walk with God. 
take time on a consistent basis. Schedule it if you have to, to walk with God. So many of our problems we face, so much anxiety in our hearts, we don't have to carry. How much, how much must that break God's heart to see his children so overcome with grief day by day, but if they would just stop and fall upon the mercies of God once again, to approach the throne of grace with confidence, they would find mercy and grace. Take time. So many of our problems we face could be answered if we would quiet our hearts and sit in his presence. It's a hard thing for us to do in our American society. We are immersed with noise. Once again, C.S. Lewis, screw tape letters. One of the strategies of the devils in the screw tape letters is to make so much noise, it drowns out the music of heaven. To where we're so busy, we don't take that time. And we even do this in our own prayer lives. Let me just say this, maybe not you, but me. I'll put on worship music. And after a while, I'm not even praying anymore. I'm just singing along with the song. There's a huge difference in my prayer life when I take away all distractions. And I mean every distraction. When I sit alone in silence, it's terrifying and it is wonderful because the doctor is in. I can be alone or in a huge crowd and instant be right in the throne room of Christ. It's a change of mind that you practice and you get better and better in practicing the presence of God. Worship team, would you come up at this time? We'll be ending our service with worship. I love that we start and we end our worship our services in worship. But my question to you is, have you lost paradise? What I mean is, did you at one time have a vibrant relationship with God and it's not that way anymore? When did it stop? I bet many of you here have the story of, I was really into Jesus when I was a kid or maybe even a few years back and I felt so close, but your desire for God today has stopped. Or maybe you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You've never had that closeness with Jesus. Today is the day. We end our our services in worship because that is your opportunity to respond to the message. To cry out to God for he is not far away. To connect with him in one way, in a meaningful way, because even if everything I've said today, you're like, I'm good with all that. What a glorious thing for the children of God to worship their Lord and Savior. Come today to the table once again, to the altar of the Lord. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And get walking. Worship team, lead.